Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. first ever of an interview series. Today's guest joins Kevin F. Love, managing editor of Liberty Ballers, and myself, Dave Early. Our guest has probably been the hottest interview on the Sixers beat recently. He's an award-winning writer-reporter, author of Tanking to the Top, the Philadelphia 76ers and the most audacious process in the history of professional sports, your own Weitzman. We're a bit dated here. This was recorded a couple weeks ago. We are rookie podcasters, so an extra thanks to your own for putting up with us. Um, so for the listeners, what did we know at the time? The Sixers had just been swept by the Celtics. Brett Brown had just been fired. We got our first clue that Elton Brand would be staying on to help oversee front office changes. I would say not much has changed since that time, although we did get a press conference from Brand talking about wanting to keep Joel Embiid, keep Ben Simmons, better complement them, maybe move away from the collaboration days, which he admitted didn't work out so well, um, and putting his own stamp on the team so since then we also saw former Sixers Jimmy Butler and Robert Covington just completely ball out in the bubble creating I guess a a firestorm of Sixers existential angst on Twitter even though we're dated I think listening to your own is really really intriguing while the title of his book deserves to be joked about the Sixers are certainly not the top of anything right now it becomes even more relevant for fans to better understand how we got to this point and get some context for things moving forward. Extra, extra thanks to Yaron for hopping on. He mentioned on Twitter the day we recorded this that he was one of the casualties of Bleacher Report killing BR Mag, which is crazy because he was writing features for them that same day that we spoke. Um, And then he hopped on to talk Sixers with ESPN Zach Lowe, one of the top people to talk to. So a tough time in sports journalism and media, and we were extra, extra lucky to have him. We... (laughs) We should ask for a souvenir of his schedule that says break Sixers news for Bleacher Report, appear on the Zach Lowe pod, and then go talk to Kevin and David of Liberty Ballers. Without further ado, let's talk to Iron Weitzman. Iron, thanks so much for hopping on with us. Um, I know we, we saw your post today. You went out with a blaze of glory for, for Bleacher Report. Um, so that's some, that's some sad news. Definitely uh, not happy about that. But there, there were some scoops for us. So, um, you know, we know bread is out. I know this is all going to sound pretty dated when people listen because we're learning it as we – I had a whole pile of questions for you that I scrapped. And I'm like, all right, I got to ask about that. <laughs> um, you can still ask them. You can still ask them. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll definitely get more into your book. But I guess we should at least start off with some of your thoughts sure. on, on some of the newest stuff, like Brett being gone for one. Um, okay. The Brett being gone. Um, I think it was obviously time and it's expected and it was almost happened last year, no matter what Josh Harris says, because again, like when I do this stuff and I, I talk about this a lot when I was speaking about my book stuff, um, I can always go to my reporting or other people's reporting or things like that. But I also like when 
you know, these guys say a lot of things publicly. And if you, and you guys are actually good at this, right? If you just log their public quotes, like it's hard, you can catch them a lot. So, you know, Josh Harris is saying last year, the Brett's job was never in jeopardy. And then you go back to his press conference. And I'm assuming if there's any group of listeners who know what I'm talking about, it's your group of listeners, right? But the press conference before the Nets playoff game, when he's asked like, you know, how's things with the team? And he basically says, well, Brett's in trouble, right? Not exactly, but that's pretty much what happened. Um, so for him to say, like, yeah, you know, the other one, the, the one that was in Mark Stein, who is not in the business of getting things wrong, right? In the New York Times. And he had that, that if they lose game seven, he'll be out. And he ended up being wrong. And Mark, um, I think he, he I should say apology is the wrong word, but uh, mea culpa, as they say. Um, but just, again, that stuff, like, that doesn't come out of nowhere. So going back to your original question, yeah, I'm not surprised. And I do think it was time. Um you know, I think most of the Sixers fans are actually right on on this stuff for the most part from what I've seen. Like, it's to, to lay all the blame at his feet is wrong. He actually might have done one of his better jobs this year um, if you look at a few things. Um, that's not completely fair. But there were, there were some things he did okay this year. The playoff series, especially game two, was not great. Um, but it was time to go. And, and many, of the thing, many of the issues with the Sixers, um, I'm not going to say he's responsible for, but he's played a hand in. You would basically say adjustments and a culture of accountability would be the two biggest knocks. Yeah, yeah, the adjustments and like I mean, you know, when, when I write these things, you want to be careful about the phrases you use. Like it's it's not basketball IQ, but I, around the league, he's not known as a tactical genius, right? Doesn't mean like that's that's fair. That's a, yeah. I think it's a fair description. Um, and so you know, adjustments in this series, we saw that, and I, I put this in my piece, right? Like the adjustments to. And we've seen this a lot with Brett, right? Just the slow adjustments and things like that. Um, the adjustments and letting Tatum and Kemba Walker walk into pull-up threes, which for them are layups, right? Um, mm-hmm. The post-offense, I thought that like, you know, didn't get a lot of – I mean, people talked about the post-offense, um, but I just think it's baffling that like, you, know that's, you know that's what you're going to do. You know the Celtics are going to send different double teams at Embiid there, and yet you seem baffled by it. And again, part of that – goes back to personnel, but that's also on the coach, right? Like the spacing parts on the coach. Um, asking the the whole dunker spot conversation, like should a guy be the dunker spot, should a guy not, which I found fascinating. Um, and him saying that, you know, back in the day, they would do with Tim Duncan, because Brett is always interested in reminding everyone that he used to coach around the Spurs. Um, <laughs> he uh, thought that was interesting. Far be it from me to know, like I, I found that conversation fascinating and I like, and I actually appreciate Brett's one of the few head coaches who would, open up he calls it clinic right that's too too much of a clinic and i actually like that even if you don't necessarily agree with him i just like that he lets you peek behind this curtain in this chance in this instance he might have done himself a disservice like you know sending i said i took those quotes and i sent them because i don't know but sending them to other assistant coaches or other um scouts around the league and most said they disagreed with him some said it's not as simple as it's made out to be um like we all look at the warriors and split cuts and that stuff it's you know it's easy to say move the ball but it's not um it's something that takes that takes an effort and cohesion. Um, but yeah, so that and the accountability part, which again, like that's a major theme of my book, right? Like that part. It is, yeah. What I made, it's kind of like, I call it the original sin of the Sixers. So again, it doesn't all go back to Brett. Um, Hinky, this was one of his weaknesses. He didn't help Brett in that area. Um, there are valid reasons why some of the players Brett had to deal with maybe struggled in these areas more, whether it's indeed coming in and getting hurt his first year. And at the same time, dealing with the, death of tragic death of his brother and you start to understand how a young man in that situation might have issues with things like showing up on time but at a certain point mm-hmm. that stuff just becomes the reality and it was never addressed 
Yeah, I, I heard uh, I heard on a podcast, maybe it was back in spring, I think it was the Sixers beat one, and you this is not a direct quote, but I think it's close. You basically said, I don't know how much Brett's voice matters to Ben Simmons or Embiid anymore. Does that ring, does that ring a bell? Yeah, I mean, again, I'll go like, okay, tell his agent and brother I won one three game, right? I'll go back to that one, right? And what does Ben Simmons do? He doesn't take a single three, right? <laughs> Like, yeah. Do, do you think that that I, I know you wrote that that was sort of a reaction, but do you think because we watch the games and we're like, well, I don't expect him to keep shooting him anyway. Do you think he would have maybe tried more if it wasn't for that line? That's a good question. If you, like the cause and effect. Um, I don't know. You know, I can't say I don't know. I do know that bothered him in his camp. Right. That I do. Yeah. Again, fairly and unfairly. Right. Like I get why they don't like being called out like that. Um, unfairly sure. is the, like they left they left Brett really know like that was like a cry for like a last chance thing like what he what else well, he, he wasn't he wasn't doing it like what else are they supposed to what else was Brett going to do in that situation um yeah like the and I wrote this in my column today like and so Brett it's he's non-confrontational but I actually should probably change that when I've been writing this right he's non-confrontational with players he'll be confrontational with other staffers he'll go at them and curse them and things like that it's with the players he's not and that's right. one of the main issues. This guy's going to get us all fired, not being in shape. Right, exactly. And, and do you, so were you surprised that Joel, I know Joel a year ago sort of stumped for Brett. Yeah, this was a reverse. Really do that yesterday. Yeah. How, what were your thoughts on that? Um, I thought it was typical Joel, and I thought it was ridiculous when, what was the first question? Like, a report, I don't know who the reporter was, you know, what are the issues with the team? And then he says, it's a uh, stupid – I think before that he was asked what the issue is with the team. Right, that's right. And he said it's a stupid question. And then Bleacher Report, being the great site it does, takes a emoji of it and says, Embiid clowns reporter or something because that's what they do because they forget who gives them their stuff. <laughs> um, they have to get an emoji in there. So, yeah. Um, so – but then, yeah, they have to say I'm not the GM this year. I mean, okay, cool. Last year you weren't the GM either. But I believe – I don't know if you have the quote in front of you, but it was pretty – it was pretty adamant support for Brett, and I, I think I do not know this. Have no one's ever said this to me, but I'm going to guess that played a role in him coming back, right? Like the when yeah. your superstar speaks that adamantly and um, in favor of your coach, it's be kind of tough to not bring back the coach. And so let me pose like a devil's advocate position for you because I tend to agree with you that it was maybe the right time for a new voice, um, even if even if Brett got a pretty unfair shake. But help help us resolve this. I think you wrote that he coached the series of his life against the eventual champs a year ago. Yep. And we all would probably agree um, that the offseason moves, you know, letting Butler and Reddick go, bringing in Horford, just really didn't work out and made what would have been too difficult for any coach, really, to to figure this out. So why do we think that he had a, a near title a year ago, and now he's just not fit anymore, even though no one could have done a good job here. Does that make sense? Yes, no, it does make sense. So, okay, so he did coach. He coached, and it was actually funny because I was on Zach Lowe's podcast today, and I, you know, he agreed with me on the Nick Nurse thing. I think independently, right? I don't think we talked about that in terms of that he coached a great series. Out coaching Nick Nurse. Yeah, um, yeah, because Brad Stevens has not made Brett look good in the in the two playoff series they've gone against each other. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's been up again, and I say that not as a joking way, right? It's just it's just true. He's been a step ahead. Um, so, so one, I, yeah, okay, I hear what you're saying. So one, I still don't think Brett necessarily did a great job last year. Though again, and this is why the conversation's hard, right? Like, I'm gonna say he didn't do a great job last year or any year. Yet, I should, I don't mean he didn't do a good job any year. I mean that every year he's been here, um, he's been dealt a tough hand, right? 
Like there is not, I don't know if you'll find another head coach. Who's, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Of course. Yeah, okay, except the deal. I usually I usually use the term shenanigans, but you can call it bullshit, whatever you want. <laughs> Nobody's had to deal with more than Brett, whether it's players, yips, uh, Burnergate, Hanky, whatever it is, right? Like being the, the, the temporary president of basketball operate, whatever it is. Um, it's just been a bumpy road. Jimmy Butler uh, coming in. Yeah. Um, so that was a tough team to coach last year. Um, to answer your question, I get like – you're applying logic to it, right? And I, I hear what you're saying. Like you're kind of, and I know you're doing it as a devil's advocate position. You're kind of going to the legal, like the lawyer case, right? If A mm-hmm. and B are true, the Y C true. And I just think it's more of a feel thing too, right? Like you just you watch that team this year. It, it, it's clear a new voice was needed. It's clear he wasn't getting the most out of that team. It doesn't mean that the team could win a championship without him. But I do think most coaches would have done a better job with it or let me phrase it this way i do think there's a good chance there are other coaches who would do a better job with this group right so what, why don't we jump up the totem pole a little bit because maybe it's time to move on from brad maybe he did have an unfair shake but it, it's not fair to pin it all on him like you mentioned and that, that takes us to elton who looks like he's gonna stick around if i told some of my friends this they'd be like i don't really follow the sixers why the heck would they keep him he gave 300 million to horford and harris but I know from reading your work that there's a lot of context to that, you know, potential decision. Let's assume it's going to be true. Can yeah. you uh, walk us through that a little bit? Sure. So some of this stuff's hard. I'm going to try to separate what I think versus what I know, right? So my, sure. read, my read on things is that when Elton came in last year, it was more and in the beginning of this year. And I, this is my read on it. Like I'm not saying this to be certain, right? But my read on it is it was more of a – um, group dynamic, right? At least early on in Elton. And uh, understandable. Um, Elton was, what, two years removed from playing and due to the front office. Um, <laughs> and there was a vocal ownership. Um, Quite green, yeah. Yeah, there was a minority owner in David Heller who would uh, jump in every now and then with decisions. Like, he was the one who pushed for the uh, Zaire Smith, Mikael Bridges trade. I know Elton wasn't mm-hmm. there yet. That was Brett Brown technically running the draft, I believe. Um mm-hmm. But there's a lot going on. You have a CEO and Scott O'Neill who is active. Um, you know, you, some of the Sixers would probably say he's not like making trade calls, right? But he definitely has a voice, right? For sure. He definitely has a voice. And, you know, uh, on calls, not calls with other teams, but on calls with, you know, if the group's going over things, he is um, no doubt there. Um, Spike also- Eskin would say too, a too big of a voice on the basketball side. For sure. For sure. There are people, um, yeah, now, I mean, that's been a, there's been a critique of him going back to his days with the Knicks and Madison Square Garden. Um, so there's that. Um, I don't even remember the question. What was the original question? So how did we get here? Is that what the original question was? Yeah, explain to us a little bit of the context around Elton maybe getting to keep his job after. Right. Okay, so that's right. Of okay, so that's the case. So that's so I think one people make mistakes and that's okay. I, Elton's liked. I do think people like him around the league. I think people in that building like him. Even you saw Brett liked him on the way out, right? Like he's thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Elton, he's a, I'm going to say a professional. That's the wrong phrase, but just, he, you know, he, he knows how to act properly. I'm not articulating this. I'm using poor words there. Um, <laughs> he plays the game. Yeah. He was a politician, but I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. Like he, he's got political skills, but there's also, a, I guess there's a genuineness to him. Maybe that's what I should say. Maybe that's a better word, right? There's a genuine nature to him. I mean, also <laughs> it's going to be said, like, he doesn't need this job, right? Like he's not in here. He doesn't need the money. Um, not that any, not, not that a lot of these guys do, but this is something he's doing because he wants to do it. Um, so it's different. 
uh, it's a different, he, he approaches it differently. Um, I think he knows, I think if you asked him, he would admit he made some mistakes, right? The Tobias move, my read on it is, it was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to go for it. Um, I think it was a bad trade. And then I think the contract was poor. I do think many Sixers fans, you know, if the ball bounces differently last year and they win a championship, I do think Sixers fans, many are forgiving the bad trade, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's what happens. The and the, and the Jimmy thing, the letting Jimmy go is more complicated than it seems. So the Horford one was a was a mishap. And my read on that, and I again, I'm not, I don't want to say because I know people take some of this stuff. Like I'm not saying this is 100 percent sure. I there was definitely that. I do not believe that was Elton pushing that through. I'm not saying he didn't agree with it or want it, right? But that wasn't like him interesting yeah. leading the charge and saying this is doing. I'm putting my foot down, right? Uh, I'm not saying he fought against it or anything like that. Um, that's my read on it. I, I'm, I was going to ask you about that because I think maybe one of the possibilities that we get to keep Elton and there's going to be these other, I forget the term they use, these other structural changes. Yeah. You know, could that mean that maybe they're moving on from some of the, you know, Alex Rucker, for example, and Ned Cohen, and maybe they want to rebrand and get away from the Colangelo appointed. Maybe they remember Elton Brand did not approve of some of the things that happened. Is that possible? Yeah. So again, yeah, I saw that. That was a Woj tweet, which right, came through, um, came through pretty recently, right? Which I guess, mm-hmm. for the listeners, I was, I found that I was laid off about four hours ago, so I've been half paying attention to the Twitter. So I apologize. Oh, yeah, of, you uh, must be in a blur. I'm, we're lucky to have you today. In terms Sorry of not, not all good, all good. But in terms of like staying on top of things, um, that was my read on it too. I don't know anything on that. I haven't heard anything on that. That was my read on Woj on the Woj tweet also. Um, didn't Woj, did Woj also tweet a, um, a Josh Harris like notes or something like that recently? Um, a, a message from like Josh Harris. Um, I guess he I, might have, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That was, that was my read on it. That um, My read on it is what you just said. I don't know, but that would be my, that, that was my read on what he meant. Just for some of our, for some of our listeners, you have this really, really, I hadn't seen this anywhere. So I found this fascinating. Maybe I'm just a nerd, but um, you, you talked about the moments before the Tobias Harris trade and they, they brought Brett into the war room essentially of Josh Harris, David Blitzer, Scott O'Neill, uh, Alex Rucker and Elton Brand. And so to me that that's basically the top dogs here. And that's so what seems like, yep. <laughs> and it's hard to imagine, you know, Brett's going to be gone and if Elton's staying on, then who else what really are you changing? And I guess then Rucker's going to be the fall guy and there was a line in your in your post today from Bleacher Report about uh, him being asked questions like who would be the closer if Butler's not here. That kind of lends you know, a little bit to that point that maybe he really advocated for Horford. Correct. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Again, I put that in, like I, I wasn't leaving or like I left it in ambiguous on purpose, not to be annoying. Like that's what I know. Right. I don't know if Rucker said, um, no, Bernie, it doesn't matter. And screw you guys. Like, I don't, I don't know. Right. I just know he, I know he was asked that in a meeting. Like, so a meeting that I know that, I know that discussion was, was raised. Right. And I don't, and I never, I, I and you know, posing it to all sorts of people, I don't, I don't. Doesn't seem like they ever had a good answer for it. You know, at any point. No. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. So I guess, all right, let's, let's go even further up, up this totem pole here. Um, to Josh Harris, I thought, so I read your book and let, let me just give you a plug real quick because I, I loved it and I have got all these like Microsoft Word documents of quotes from your book. Anytime <laughs> I'm covering like Elton Brand or Brett Brown or Joel Embiid, I've probably got like three or four paragraphs that I pick from and I say like, That's hilarious. You know, thank you. Uh, so it's it's very nice to have if if anyone wants to feel like they're getting the full scope of not just the process, but I think the other cool thing about your book is now when I listen to a post game report, I have more context for, you know, when Joel pauses and says, yeah, I always say I want to stay my whole career here. and That'd be good. Dot, dot, dot. You know, it feels like <laughs> you understand a little bit more of those little moments. So no, no I, pre- I mean, I've had trouble like writing that post. Like I do think so much of this, of like this series, what's what happened now, like what the discussions we're having now about the Sixers, right? And, you know, where it went wrong, basically, right? What has yeah, gone How's wrong? the title um, of your book aged? <laughs> you know, it's great. <laughs> I, you know how many people I got on Twitter what, when it came out? Tanking to the top of what? You know, my, <laughs> the first my, round. <laughs> my canned response was always, you know, tanking to three straight six con- six place finishes doesn't have the same ring to it. So I apologize. <laughs> um, so... So, but no, but there's, there's so much context to all of this. It's so hard to boil down into sound bites, or even like I wrote a 2000 word column, you know, last night today. And even that was hard because there's just so much I want to add and so much context you want to put in. Because again, it's not one person being responsible for anything. And every mishap you can really trace back to three different things. Um, it's just difficult. It's just difficult. I thought, I thought that, so I know people will get the book for Jimmy and Markel and Sam, and, and you definitely should, because that's all amazing stuff. And a lot of stuff I had never read, but for me, like the surprise best supporting actor of your book was Josh Harris. And <laughs> I enjoyed it. The was like, it, and it just really feels more important now seeing how things have really not, not worked out so well. Um, the more he took like what you call the, you know, you just described this evolution. He, Yes. This is maybe a growth opportunity for our portfolio. And then, oh, I can't believe how much people care about my 10-win team. And now he's like a, the controlling voice at this five-person meeting where we all wonder, does the GM even approve of the Horford deal? So that's Yeah, weird. no, I, I found that, like, you know, you go into a book and some story arcs you're aware of you're going to have to cover. Some you're not. That was one I was not aware of until – and I didn't, I didn't interview Josh Harris, right? Like he didn't talk to me, but just you just look up the quotes, you do research, you talk to other people about him, and it was very clear this evolution happened. You know, the idea that it was the team was bought for it was a private equity guy buying a you know good balance sheet, uh, good companies with bad balance sheets was a quote he once used in terms of how they buy, what he how he made his money, and you know this so the Sixers when he originally bought them, that's what they were. Um, two, he's talking. Yeah. Yep. Two, he's talking about like the team's pick and roll defense, right? <laughs> or whatever, like <laughs> introducing the starting five on the dais, you know, the Al Horford, Tobias Harris starting five. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's, it's really fascinating. It's really fascinating. I think it, it explains a lot in six of Sixers, you know, of the happenings in Sixers land. So you, t- I think you talked about how, like, you know, you mentioned, Elton didn't get the same title that Sam Hinkie did president of basketball operations. He didn't get the same title that Brian Colangelo did. We, there were all those reports. I think it was Keith Pompey. We want someone to collaborate with minority owners, parentheses, that guy's gone now, um, and not have final say. Do you think it was sort of like, look, we had this 
weird mess with Sam. We had an even weirder mess with Brian. Why don't we just roll up our sleeves and, and we have Joe, we have Ben, let's do it ourselves. I do. I don't, again, no one told me that that was like an educated guest slash read on the situation. Um, that you know, I use the term power vacuum, right? It was like, okay, we tried this all these different ways. Go back to Doug Collins. Even um, <laughs> we're smart. We know what we're doing. We've been around. We've been around long enough. Like, let's do it. I mean, Josh Harris. He didn't negotiate it, but he he did. He did some of the negotiating and played a major role in the Jimmy Butler trade that was negotiated a lot at the ownership level um, with the Timberwolves. Um, so that's a perfect example, right? So and and he enjoys he enjoys it. He he's a competitive guy. He's comp- a competitive aholic. And I think he enjoys playing the role of GM. So th- this kind of blew my mind reading that because I'm remember, you know, I'm reading he collaborates with Scott O'Neill, and O'Neill was pushing the Carmelo Anthony trade in New York, and James Dolan gets on the phone and executes that trade, and now it feels like. Are the Sixers modeling the Knicks? That's what I'm reading. That's funny. That's uh, I never made that. I mean, I made that's funny. It's uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I got it from your book. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean that connection, the Carmelo part. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixers modeling the Knicks. I mean, I always laugh the two teams. I'm, you know, I did, I did the Sixers stuff, um, and I grew up in New York. I live in New York, and the Knicks. I've been around plenty. So, like, the two teams I've spent the most time covering and know the best are the Knicks and Sixers. So, I always joke like, I wonder what it'd be like to cover a uh, quote unquote normal franchise. It wasn't it wasn't it funny how in I guess maybe it was the same offseason where the Knicks were like, You're gonna have to work with our guys. You're gonna have to have Alan Houston, Steve Mills, and, and the Sixers were like, You're gonna have to work with Colangelo's guys. And probably both programs turned off some some of the top candidates like David Griffin. Yeah, no, it's definitely um yeah, I mean they, they were more hand, the Knicks were more hands here. I believe they signed Tim Hardaway before like went before Griffin even interviewed. Um mm-hmm. I believe that was the that was Yeah, the, that that did not help their case. I always forget what comes out of what doesn't. Um, so, you know, there's, there's definite parallels, except the Sixers have a uh, better draft luck, I guess, or better lottery, better lottery luck, I should say. Yeah. They spent a little more consecutive years with those top picks. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's what I wanted to ask you. How did you arrive on the adjective cocksure for Scott O'Neill? <laughs> sometimes, some, sometimes the magic just comes like that. You know, you can't explain it. You just know it. Were there other candidates there? Did you have like a I, list of other possible? I honestly don't think so. I honestly don't think so. I think that like that might have been the first sentence I wrote of the Scott O'Neill. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good word. And it's, you, a, it's a good word. You had you had a moment where you I, I guess you were being a little bit coy and you said you had to be the boogeyman here, didn't you? And he said someone had to fall, right? Wasn't that a yeah, footnote? But- that was, but okay, so I was not being coy though. So here's the story of that is so I, I'm at I, that year. I was tracking the years, whatever we were like, you know, especially pre Corona. It was the, um, the, the last year, I guess it was last season, the beginning of last season. So the Raptors year, um, I was covering the team a lot and, you know, traveling with them a lot, um, or following them on the road, I should say. Um, and we were in, that was Detroit and Scott was on the trip. Was it Detroit, Milwaukee? I don't. I think it was. De- pretty sure it was Detroit, um, and Scott was on the trip, and I approached him and introduced myself and said who I am and what I'm doing. So by by nature, you know, the journalism part is you know I had clearly identified myself as a reporter, um, and I told him you know I'm doing this book on Sam Hinkie, and you're kind of the boogeyman to process fans, and that's when he said to me, "Well, Sam did it to himself. Someone had to take the hit," and you know the words off the record on background were never muttered. I. I immediately, as we walked away, I wrote an email to myself and emailed myself that quote and knew that was going in because I just thought that was 
And he, and he meant Sam took the fall. He meant, yeah, he meant like it was, it was him saying clearly, like, I don't, I mean, I guess he made, he made his bed basically. Yeah. It was him saying that Hinky, yeah, Hinky was at fault. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, but, but, but the reason I guess that maybe you were being coy is because you've got this line and maybe this is a spoiler because this is good stuff, but Harris had been drowning under the complaints for months from O'Neill who wanted a more linear path. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and which is, I found funny because he, he was infatuated with the spurs at the time. And that they always preach pound that rock. It's not always going to be linear. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he's, you know, if he's sort of complaining, we got to move on from Hinky. Um, it makes sense that he would become a boogeyman for people once they oh, saw. Oh, for sure. Him. No, yeah. for sure. Oh, that's me. Yeah, like I listen. I, I guess I pulled. Like I was. It was. It was my. It was a joking way of asking the question, right? Like it was a joking. Yeah. Way of like, hey, what's, what happened with Sam? That he said anything to me is baffling. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that with, without even saying off the record or anything like that, um, I have no idea. Uh, I have not. I thought that was very cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, I was. It's like in a nerdy way, I was uh, extremely happy that night. I think that was the night Blake Griffin went for fifty on them or whatever that was. That fifty point, uh, yeah, triple double. Yeah, yeah, that was like the beginning of a season. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There, there was another moment where you were sort of in your in your book that was cool with um I guess you you went to the Sloan conference and you bumped into Sam there. Oh, yeah. And you said to him, uh, you know, isn't it funny that Josh Harris is up there and, and these guys are taking credit for a lot of you done? And you said you got a nod out of him, which is I was like, Well, how do I write do you, do, you, do you have it open? Do you have it open? The pay I, what I do, like I said, like a nod and like a just like, I don't. I just remember it. But, I don't um, know. I don't think it was a nod. Yes, I think it was a nod. Like uh huh, uh huh. Like okay, like you know, I'm not. Okay, wouldn't confirm. <laughs> I think it was. I might have written nod. If I did, that's my. It was not like he wasn't nodding. Yes, he wasn't. It was you know an acknowledgement. But I'm not gonna say yes to you, you idiot. Like you know. So. Right. Do you think so? I know that. I know that Josh Harris has made some of these jokes in public. Like you know, at that same Sloan conference, he said, "Well, and Markel." Do you think as, as a competitive person that he feels any embarrassment? I mean, he must have hated the stigma of the process, so he wanted to change. But now it's coming out that the Sixers have all these problems at the top, coinciding with a time where he's taken more of an interest in the team. Do you think that that, bo- that would bother him, or is he one of those billionaires who is just there? No, he's, I think he's very, it's very clear. Um it's very clear this bothers him. And I, I think that's been, you know, he cares what people think. And I sometimes like that comes off as like a mean thing. I don't know. I care what people think. Like, I think it's normal. Um, yeah, especially uh, yeah if, I would. If you're in the public, like, you know, I care. I tweeted today, like, you know, I, I'm looking for jobs. If people don't say you're awesome, like that bothers me. Right. Like that's the whole, we all, yeah. we're, all we're all human. Um, we all care what people think. So, but no, I think this definitely, um, this definitely bothers him. And from the other part, like, you know, these guys are all friends, the owners and stuff. You don't want to be the joke among your friends. You know, I don't think that's uh, that's enjoyable. And again, like you mentioned, they're competitive. I'll say, like, he wants to win. You can criticize Josh Harris about other stuff, plenty, right? He he wants to win. I guess we we really can't have you. On. We it, today felt like a big front office day because it feels like you know there's this outpouring. Spike Eskins tweeting like everybody's got to go. So I wanted to focus there, um, but like. We, we really can't not talk at all about Butler and Fultz, right? So we've got to probably touch upon that. Whatever you want. I'm here, I'm here, for, I'm here for you guys, whatever, you, whatever you're looking for. Let, let me tell you my assessment of the Jimmy Butler thing, and you tell me if it's fair or if it's wrong. Like, in my mind, they, they moved on from Butler because, like, 
you know, fit with fit with Simmons, fit with Brown, maybe some luxury taxes, maybe some matchups versus the Bucks, and then they kind of went to him with some feelers, like if things worked out, maybe this, maybe that. Could you get along? And then somehow it all spoiled, and they just moved on. Do you think that's fair? That's what happened. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if the order of the operations were there. I know it's in terms of the going back to Butler, um, that part's been hard to been hard to parse right um but i think i think what you i think what you said is the basic part of it right the, the butler thing they get killed on that i do think it's more complicated than it seems right even though he would have been a perfect guy and i would have run it back i do think you know butler's um there's a lot there it's a lot to take i do think it could have worked like i do think it might be the kind of thing where over time you actually like you know you grow together um but it was not a simple thing. It was not as simple as Butler or our coach. It was not a like you know there was a Simmons thing. It was a real thing, um, and the idea of if we bring Butler back, and even if Brett is you know saying you know I can do it, does that mean it's going to work? Like does that mean that the front office will feel like they don't have to get rid of, they don't have to make a change? Um, that was more complicated um, than that. So the, yeah, the issue was probably going using that. Space, that that opportunity or that opening to go have to Horford. Interesting, yeah, and spending quite a bit to do it. Correct, correct. And and so then they get back Josh Richardson, who I guess you've written is was not the happiest camper. Uh, yeah, he I, I think Josh was not thrilled with his role or some of um, I think it became obvious you know what he said some of Brett's coaching right he was not a fan of that or some again he mentioned the locker room stuff a few times as well um but yeah that was not he was not a huge fan that is uh that is fair to say i I find as a fan of the team i find that i guess frustrating because his usage in philadelphia was almost the same as it was in miami when he played with so much less talent so i wonder like how much more did he want or maybe he didn't want more maybe it was just I mean, you watch their offense, like it's some of the usage, but then like the numbers could be the same, but does that, would that, does that feel the same? Right. I no, you're right. Like, does that feel the same as in Miami's motion offense as what you are in whatever the Sixers offense was this year? Like I imagine, <laughs> I imagine that the usage is the same. You still, it's still um, a different sort of feel. Yeah, that's no, that's all very fair points. And I could see why he might not have loved it. Cause it was not, uh, can we even call it an offense? It was but, hard yeah, to watch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, Kev, if you've got anything, I think um, I think I'm good. Maybe. I guess uh, I'm curious what you think. Um, the Sixers front office, and you know that whole kind of uh, job opportunity for for a lot of people in the league right now. Like, what do you think that the Sixers look like as far as you know a destination for? Anybody who has any kind of you know experience in the league, are they going to? Do you expect them to go towards you know retreads who might find this as an appealing opportunity? Do you think they're going to have to kind of look for people who maybe haven't carved out a role for themselves yet in the league? What is your sense about how they're going to be able to build move for, for, moving forward? For the front office, you mean? Yeah, and, and just kind of yeah, any kind of front office opportunity. So, um, especially with you know Elton kind of already you know just staying in place. Well, that's a big thing, right? So if they, if they if they replaced Elton, they can go big game hunting, right? And I'm sure, and it, then it becomes a matter of like what kind of check do you want to sign? Uh, do you want to spend, right? Like if you're gonna maybe you can if you want to spend five million a year and get Daryl Moore, whatever, right? You have two you have two superstars who'll be attractive to people. Um, I imagine that will be the answer also. Um, you know, even for guys under Elton, one. 
if they pay well, that's obviously a big part too. If you're a part of a good, if you're part of a team that can win a championship, which the Sixers can, um, as funny as that sounds, right? This is I wrote this like for all the for all the mistakes and how bad things seem now, they still have a top 10 player and a top 20, 25 player that puts you ahead of most teams, right? That gives you a shot in a way that most teams do not have. Um, so that, that can help your brand, but it also goes down to, goes back to, man, these are unprecedented times. The Sixers, they spend sometimes and also ownership can be cheap on front office and coaching stuff. And it's really goes to that, right? If they're cheap filling it out, you're going to get cheap options. If you're willing to spend and get some, seasoned executives um to work alongside elton or support elton would be the better word i guess right um Mm -hmm. then you can probably get some guys well uh to touch back on that uh some people have i I would say mostly sixers fans uh people within you know that kind of sixers blogosphere have touched on maybe bringing in somebody as like president of basketball operations who would kind of oversee more um i I don't even i got to check back in with it but basically the idea would be like you know having a president of basketball operations above mm-hmm. elton um do you see that as a possibility in any way or, or someone coming in who might have a greater say than elton in, in how things develop um short answers i don't know right i don't know right i have no idea either way if from the reporting today like i imagined if you were gonna do that um you would do it before hiring a head coach and Wojcik's report today made it seem like that josh harris intends to let elton pick a head coach um so that'd be my read on that, but I, th- that's all I have. I don't, I don't know anything more than that. Gotcha. I don't know. Dave, do you have anything else? I can't believe we did this whole thing and we didn't even ask one false question, but I guess it wasn't that type of day. <laughs> what if you guys want or need? I'm good. Yeah. I appreciate it. I, I, I really, especially this late at night and, uh, the long day you've had, I, I appreciate you hopping no, on. I appreciate us. you guys. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Anyway, I'm, 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 you know, I appreciate how much you guys enjoy the book and talk about the stuff and all that. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for writing it. That was great. Thank you, guys. I will, All right, uh, have a good one. Yep, you too. Speak to you soon. So that was a lot of fun. Extra thanks again to your own for hopping on. Um, it, it's a testament to how hardworking and how successful he is that he got as much interesting stuff into his book um, because it's a not-so-well-kept secret that the Sixers as an organization can be pretty stingy with releasing anything at all interesting. Um, I'm sure if, if you went and told someone on the Sixers beat tomorrow. Hey, I'm going to write a book with lots of juicy tidbits about the Sixers management and front office and structure. Uh, They would laugh and say, yeah, good luck with that one. But he, but he was able to do it. And I think surprised a lot of people with how many awesome and interesting stories he got. Um, So an extra thanks for him hopping on today. That was fun. And thanks for listening.